0: Here we go. You're listening to Long Gospel on this Wednesday, August the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what we're taking a look at is Proverbs chapter 11. And we're going to be beginning with verse 14. Last week, we ended with verse 13. Proverbs. What a tremendous book to give us the insights of God's knowledge. Solomon is moved by the Holy Spirit, but the translation is not very helpful. Why? Because, first of all, you need a pastor who understands the original Hebrew, and that's not sufficient because we're gonna be looking at English words that you're not gonna understand what they are about. And so this is why it's necessary to have an ordained pastor who's been trained at the seminary, knowing the Hebrew and the Greek, in order to give you a better insight into what Solomon is writing by the Holy Spirit. So, verse 14 of chapter 11 of Proverbs begins, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the context of the book of Proverbs, there's no doubt that the word guidance refers to to understanding God's will in specific circumstances. For example, a parent is always giving guidance to their children. Why? Because the children are born as sinners and therefore they are unaware of God's knowledge in many areas. For example, they may be at a school where they have friends who are taking drugs and they see that their drugs, well, you get high on it, you feel better. And so why would God not want you to feel better? But then the parents come in and give guidance, indicated that when you're on these drugs, you can get addicted to such a degree that you lose your understanding of what is proper reality, what is properly the word of God. So this is kind of this verse 14 in line with Romans 13, where we talk about obedience to the government. Now, we obey the government in its laws, unless they cause us to sin. Daniel refused to obey the government in worshiping an idol. And of course, there were occasions in the New Testament where the apostles refused to obey the government in not talking about Jesus. They were even imprisoned for that, but they still spoke the word, sang the hymns, and people were converted. So verse 14, without guidance, one can say a nation falls, but many advisors bring victory. In other words, with an abundance of counselors, namely those who understand God's way of thinking, you can get safety. I'll give you an example. When I became a pastor, at the beginning of my ministry, I would come across questions by members or situations, and I wasn't really sure how to advise them. But I was very fortunate to have a pastor that I had been under when I was assigned his church as a seminarian. And he taught me many things Pastor Walter Hoffman of Emmanuel Olivet. And so in my early years of ministry, we had our children going to his parochial school, I would phone him with various questions asking for, what's your advice as to how I should respond to members of my congregation? Now, I would say there were a few times that I disagreed with his advice, but I held him in such honor that I still followed what he advised as my counselor. And it always worked out. And therefore, we can understand now what the verse is talking about. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In other words, many advisors bring victory. And the advisors need to be God-fearing people who realize who God truly is, not only as a holy trinity, but as one who died on the cross for our sins and also gives us knowledge about many areas in our life. Now, verse 15, this is not understood by most people in a congregation. I'm not talking about the Hebrew, I'm talking about the English. It reads, whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm, but he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. What does that mean? Well, What we're taking a look at is when you put up security for someone, that means that you're guaranteeing a loan. Now, is the verse saying that you should never give a loan to someone because you will surely suffer harm? No, pretend you're a bank manager and somebody comes in and would like money for a mortgage to buy a house. Are you gonna say, well, because you walked in my bank and didn't go to another bank, we'll give you all that you want? No, no banker would do that. They will instead look at your credit history, look at the management of your money, see how many credit cards you have, whether or not you are paying them off. The verse is very clear. It is not against giving a loan to a person. It's against giving a loan. That is putting up security for a stranger. In other words, somebody you don't really know. Maybe you've met them at church. Maybe they're part of your workforce, wherever you're working. And they come up to you one day and they know you're a Christian and say, I could use $1,000 to buy food for my family. Well, if you put up that $1,000 without knowing whether they can pay you back, you will suffer harm. So it's giving a loan to a stranger without knowledge of whether or not they have the capability of paying you back and that's what the second part of the verse is talking about you will not understand it but a pastor will who's been trained at the seminary it says but he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure now what does that mean how do we usually make an agreement with someone Well, you go to the bank and you sign papers indicating your credit worthiness as well as your promise to pay back. But guess what? We usually would end such a conversation with a banker by shaking hands with him. That's not how they did it in Jesus' day. They would take their fists and strike each other's hand that was how they did it which we would do with a handshake in fact that happened to me recently with one of the doctors that i was visiting he is treating me for a sore in my leg doing a tremendous job and after the visit rather than shaking hands he took his fist and put it towards me, and I took my fist and we touched each other. Why did we do it with fists? Why were we striking hands rather than shaking hands? Because that is a way during this terrible Chinese virus that you can protect yourself. Now, we both had masks on. Uh, He had even gloves on. So this is a way in which we would do it. I know pastors who rather than shaking hands, they'll go to the back of the church and greet people when they leave the worship service. They'll strike fists rather than shake hands. So he who hates striking hands as a pledge for a stranger, boy, that's good. You don't make an agreement with a stranger over which you know nothing about. That's God's wisdom. Now, you can find out about a stranger, and in fact, when you give a loan to a friend occasionally, you may even understand that they'll be unable to pay you back. So you may give loans under those circumstances because of your love for a friend. Verse 16, Proverbs 11. A gracious woman gets honor, but violent men get riches. Now the term violent can be understood as a ruthless man who gets riches. In other words, a gracious woman means that this is a believer in Jesus Christ, and she is very honest. She's a woman of great integrity, and therefore she gets honor because people trust her. They will trust her in her advice like a mother talking to children that Solomon encourages and also women in business that have a good good track record. They will get honor. But a ruthless man often is involved in getting riches. And he may do that sometimes in an immoral way, if not in Illegal way. There are certain individuals who attempt to borrow money with a promise that they'll give you back a big percentage in interest. But of course, this kind of a Ponzi scheme will not only be illegal, but it will also fail. And people have been put in jail for losing millions of dollars that others have given them, because they are ruthless, and nothing is more important than getting money. Verse 17, a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Now, how do we understand a man who is kind? That word kind is really following Jesus as the source of wisdom. And therefore, he is a faithful man. And he therefore benefits himself, just as a gracious woman gets honor. But a cruel man hurts himself. Why is that true? What is meant by a cruel man? A cruel man is one who may even do good deeds outwardly, but for a selfish reason. A cruel man doesn't really care about who he works with as long as he gets riches. So he really hurts himself. This is a theme that we have been talking about on Law and Gospel for some time now, that when God created the universe, he not only created what we call scientific laws, that if you try and break them, you will hurt yourself, like thinking you can fly out of a three-story window. You're not going to do it. Gravity is going to take over, fall to the ground, and hurt yourself. Also, God has put in certain laws in the area of ethics so that when we break the will of God, we will always be hurting ourselves. We will be getting a negative consequence for our sin. And you know what the worst negative consequence that God can give you is no negative consequence. In other words, you sin and nothing bad happens. That's the worst curse that God can give an individual. And that curse occurred in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the Bible says, what they once thought was right, they not thought was wrong. And what they once thought was wrong, they now thought was correct they reversed everything there was a, a rampant individuals who were gay and thought that that was a proper way of life it's very similar to what is happening in the united states today not that long ago a homosexual was considered someone who is breaking God's law. Now there are even so-called churches which welcome homosexuals because they say to them, well, you were born that way. And if you were born with that kind of thinking, that must be something that God okays. They're forgetting, of course, that some people are born as a pedophile. We are all born with certain sins that are attached to us. Some people do sins by hurting others in a sexual way. Others do it by getting addicted to drugs because they are really gloomy about their life. They are hurting themselves. And if they are not getting hurt, That's God's greatest curse, as he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. All right, going on to verse 18. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. I saw that actually happening. When I worked at the Chrysler assembly plant, we were put together trucks, etc. There was an assembly line, and I actually saw individuals occasionally who would take a spike or a long nail and put it into the assembly line in such a way that it broke the chains of the assembly line and the whole assembly line would stop and then we were unable to work because nothing was going by us on the assembly line and they had to bring in other workers to fix the line and sometimes I would take 15 minutes and while that was happening people were still being paid wages but they were deceptive wages because they had cheated and broken the assembly line. In contrast to that kind of a person, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Now, a lot of Proverbs, they're talking about the vocation of many people who were farmers. They sowed seeds and they got a sure reward. What does it mean by sowing righteousness? Well, you sow righteousness by telling the promises of God that come from Jesus Christ. He did that on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And Jesus sowed righteousness to people by giving them his righteousness that occurs in baptism for example when you are properly baptized you receive the gift of the holy spirit and the gift of the forgiveness of sins that is sowing righteousness which parents should do very soon After a newborn child occurs, they sow righteousness. They will not only live, so also will the child. But he who pursues evil will die. Now, in one sense, every time we sin, we're pursuing evil. But pursuing evil means more than just sinning. It means that you love to sin. You plan to sin. You are not repentant over the sin. You're pursuing it because the devil has convinced you it's to your advantage as he did with Adam and Eve. No, you will not die by eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will become like God. Every temptation of Satan, seems to give us a better benefit than the will of God. And that's why we fall many times and pursue evil. Verse 20, those of a crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Now, who of us are blameless? The fact of the matter is, If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven your sins, which means God holds you as blameless. He will not give an account for your sins against you. He did that on the cross against his son. And that's why you are his delight. Verse 21 Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Now, what does that mean? Who is the offspring of the righteous? Well, first of all, what is offspring? That's children born to parents. That's their offspring. But how are we the offspring of the righteous? In the book of Proverbs, the righteous one is Jesus Christ. And you are children of Jesus as you receive faith from the Holy Spirit, either by reading the gospel promises in the Bible or being baptized. Verse 22 definitely takes a pastor to help you understand Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Now, what's a beautiful woman without discretion? She may look beautiful, but she has no knowledge of God. In fact, Solomon talked about such a woman who said to men, if you will come and play with me, I will be paid by you and give money as a tax to the synagogue. And people said, well, that's a good deal, giving money through to the synagogue. And therefore, the deceptive woman, maybe she's beautiful, but she has no discretion. She's like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Now, what does that mean? Well, in Jesus' day, pigs were unclean. And therefore, let's say you liked a certain family and you said, I'm going to give you a gift. And you give them a pig, but he's got a gold ring in his snout. You know that what that would be like? It would be like today you give a family a a cobra snake and around the snake is a gold ring. They will not accept the snake as a gift. And so Solomon is telling people a beautiful woman without discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. It's not appreciated and you reject it. So that's our teaching from Proverbs 11 for today. And we'll continue with talking about the book of Proverbs next week. Today we went through Proverbs 11, verses 14 through 22. I'm Tom Baker, and tomorrow with Wes Reimnitz, We'll be talking about a subject that's happening in the world which will be of interest to you. Join us at 9.30 here on KFUO. Until then, God bless you.